Greetings, magnificent souls, to the Lily Bewley podcast, where we have open and honest discussions about ourselves. This is your host, Lily Bewley, and I'm honored to have conversations here with thought leaders, visionaries, healers, and even solo conversations with myself about things I am currently reflecting on. This is a place where we break down, break away, and break through our emotional trauma, allowing ourselves to be healthy, be happy, and live a peaceful life. We are tired of being sick and tired. We are tired, but we are not giving up. We know that there is something magnificent inside of us. And because we are fighting daily, hourly, and by the minute, fighting ourselves, our kids, our spouses, we have to do things differently. We have to break the cycle. We don't have a million chances. We have to be happy now. We have to find a way. So how do we do that? How is that possible? If you look around at what society is telling you, they tell you that what we're doing is impossible. Yet it's happening every single day. And it's happening through the practice and the love that we call awakening the magnificent soul. We are all magnificent souls. And these are our stories of healing. Today in episode 103, I welcome Jennifer Kaufman to the show to chat about her film, There's Got to Be More to Life. Don't forget to let me know your thoughts about this episode or anything you would like me to cover on future podcasts at epiphanyvault.com. Remember, it is a safe place and I would welcome the discussion. And also a request, if you are enjoying the show, please rate and share and review so we can get the word out to more and more souls who want to heal. And one announcement today before we get started for all of the single ladies out there or your friends that are single, I'm excited to invite you to my free three-day call in the one challenge. If you are ready or if you know someone that is ready for epic, magnetic, extraordinary love, sign up at the link in the show notes. And as of this release, we are a little more than halfway full for this event. So don't forget to grab your spot soon. And on to the show today. My guest today, Jennifer Kaufman, is the director and producer of the transformational movie, There's Got to Be More to Life. This is based on her true story of journey and rising from terrorism and childhood traumas where she went from barely surviving to thriving. Jennifer is on a mission to inspire, encourage, and empower millions of people to rise despite the seemingly impossible situations, transforming their trauma and enabling them to rise and thrive to live their best life. And here's my conversation with Jennifer Kaufman. All right, Jennifer, thank you for coming on the show. I'm excited to have this conversation with you about all of the things that you're doing. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being on your show, Lily. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for coming on and spending this time. Um, as we were talking before we got on, I watched your transformational film and movie last night. Um, There's got to be more to life. And so I do want to obviously spend a lot of time talking about this, this film. When was this released? Uh, the, the director's cut was released on November 11th of 2021. Wow. And then the final cut came out just before Christmas on um, December 21st. Wow. Okay. Wow. So it was relatively new. It felt like, um, oh, so many good things. So many juicy things. I know we're going to get into about that, but um, if you don't mind, would you mind letting the listeners know a little bit about the film? Um, and I'll add in my two cents as, as well. And it's, it's called, there's got to be more to life, which I love because that is absolutely true. Um, what inspired you to create this movie in this film? Well, uh, meditation has been a big part of my life for probably the better part of 15, 20 years now. And it was back in um, around July 2019, where I just heard through my meditation that I would someday create a film sharing the wisdom and insights from my personal journey in rising up from a terrorist attack. But it actually went deeper than that. Mm. Um, and then basically, there's got to be more to life. The name of it came from that was a, a constant inquiry that I had in most of my adult life um, was like, seriously, there's got to be more to life. Mm. And I say that because I had some childhood trauma that went, you know, like most, most of us, you know, we're taught to 
um, just put it aside or, you know, go to talk therapy. But in my experience, that never really worked. It just yeah. kept, you know, kept things alive and I didn't want them to be alive anymore. So the irony is that, you know, for most of my life up until the bombings took place in 2013, I'd been running for myself and running for my past traumas, trying to compensate by being an overachiever. And um, having all these audacious goals, working really hard to fulfill them. And I was successful a lot of the time. But here's what I found. I would reach these goals. And you would, one would think like, oh, my gosh, you're elated. Now, not to say I had moments of elation and moments of happiness, but they were short-lived. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, I don't get it. I just achieved something that was completely like amazing, totally outside my comfort zone. Why don't I feel happier? Why don't I feel fulfilled? Like, is this it? Like, there's got to be more. And so that's how the the name of the film um, came about. Mm. And, and in it, I talk about, you know, things that are pretty, um, I think, outside of most people's um, conversation topics. Yeah. I talk about what if trauma is a gift, right? That's a big one to digest um, is, you know, as somebody who felt for most of my life that I was being punished because of the certain traumas that I had experienced. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget um, one of my meditation teachers who I had been, you know, studying under for several years prior to when the bombings happened It was about six months after the bombings took place. And she said to me, she said, one one of these days, you're going to see this as the greatest gift of your life. And I said, greatest gift of my life? I was pretty upset, frankly, Mm -hmm. pissed off. Yeah. Who says that? Mm -hmm. Like, literally, my world was shattered when that experience happened on every level. I had physical injuries. I obviously I was emotionally and mentally traumatized. Mm -hmm. I felt betrayed spiritually and by God. Um, and then eventually it took everything I had financially because I literally used every penny I had to learn how to heal naturally, something I didn't know prior. Mm-hmm. So in that discovery um, process, which took a number of years, I started to understand that and I started to shift my perspective. And that day when my meditation teacher said those words to me, as awful as it was to hear, she planted a seed. And over time, and I know she didn't have a mean boat in her body, right? Like, and she wouldn't say anything to intentionally hurt me, even though it was hurtful at the time. Um, I started to ruminate on that. And then I started to have this self-inquiry, like, well, what if this were all happening for me? And what if it were happening for my highest good? Now, I got to tell you, that was a big leap. Yeah. Um, and big, big chasm to to cross because I was like, it was the most horrific experience of my life. No human being should ever have to experience that. And now I'm finding myself going, but what if? What if it was the greatest gift? What if it is, you know, all designed to wake me up and put me on my path um, where I feel fulfilled, where I feel on purpose, where I feel happy and content, where I'm thriving? Mm-hmm. What if? And that's how the that's how the the film came to be. And then as you as you experienced, we go through a series of what if statements. And I interview mm-hmm. I interview some of my mentors and uh, doctors and practitioners um, who were instrumental in helping me get where I am today. And I'm grateful to every single one of them. But we had this deep conversation. Mm-hmm. What if? And I find it interesting that I was divinely called to put this film together, which I might add was bigger than I thought I could do at the time. In fact, I, the truth is I actually um, was pretty scared by in, of putting myself out there in that way. Even though I'm a outgoing person and somebody who spoke in front of the public before, mm-hmm. it was always about like topics of success or topics of other things. It was never, I was never the subject matter. And so now, you know, here I am putting myself out there and getting completely vulnerable. Frankly, I felt naked. Mm -hmm. 
and sharing my journey and sharing how I learned that I had to heal the terrorist inside of me. Oof. You know, and so that's how all of this came about. And I will tell you that making the film, little did I know at the time, would be another level of healing for me. You know, because I can sit here and, and say to you today without any hesitation, yeah, I had to learn how to heal the terrorist inside of me. Mm. It's an ironic, you know, life is a mirror. And that's really hard. That's a pill, a hard pill to swallow. But what I found is it's the truth. And so, you know, we, we are energy beings, right? And we vibrate out whether we recognize it or not, we do. And life is projecting back to us what we put out there. So if we don't like how our life is, the good news about that is mm. we actually have the power within us to shift it. It just means doing the inner work. But often, at least for me anyway, I was taught through, you know, my upbringing and through societal norms, like, like to look outside of myself for the answers. That, you know, that, mm -hmm. and now, and now, you know, this experience literally withdrew me from my so-called world and, and took me on a journey inward, which is, which was new for me. Hmm. Wow. So much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And, and I think it's interesting because, you know, I, I shared with you that I had some hesitation. I had some resistance. And here's the irony. Yeah. Is that I told you that this, the plant, the, the seed was planted in, in uh, July of 2019. Well, fast forward, you know, I was busy at that point, you know, um, you know, reinventing my business coaching and business consulting business. And I was really busy. And then I was starting to pivot in um, February of 2020, just a month before the, um, the uh, pandemic took place. And um, I was supposed to be on a 15-city speaking tour, doing a bunch of speaking. I was going to start to, you know, um, move in that direction. Well, all of that went away when, when mm -hmm. COVID happened. Mm -hmm. And now my plate, which was scheduled to be full, is now pretty much wide open. And guess what reemerged to be put together? This film. Right. So I find it fascinating that the film releases at such a pivotal time in our history, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we're coming out of, you know, literally, actually, this month, it's two years since the, the uh, pandemic started. And COVID happened. And then, you know, now we find ourselves, you know, um, with the conflict happening within, you know, Russia and the Ukraine. And if you're open to it, I'd actually like to talk a little bit about it. Sure. Because, sure. because here's the thing is I was having this conversation yesterday with a couple of uh, female colleagues getting ready to do a talk next week on Humanity Unplugged. And I said, you know, none of us, I don't, I think the vast majority of us don't want to enter into another war. And, but what's fascinating is I see people, I don't spend a lot of time on social media, frankly. Um, I have people that help manage that for me. Mm -hmm. But in the short period of time, I've just, you know, gone on social media in the past week. And it's fascinating because I see a lot of, and I get it because I used to do this. I see a lot of support for Ukraine and that's the tendency, right? Is that we support one side, but for us, for us to evolve consciously, we have to look at everything, right? We can't just look at the so-called bad people or the bad guys that are doing this. Right. And I'm not betraying, you know, one way, you know, good or bad. I'm not, but what I'm saying is the minute we choose to take sides whether we, whether we understand it or not, we are taking part in that war. So the key here is to actually not take sides. And the key is to, you know, send love to all of them, right? And, and, and mm -hmm. clearly to do and actually look within and go, where am I having any sort of inner struggle going on? Where am I having any sort of inner conflict? Right. And when we can do that shifting in work, we literally it's like the ripple. Right. We 
you know, that ripple that just sent it out into the ethers. Mm-hmm. And the more of us that do that work, well, the, the whole situation around the war will dissolve because there's no energy around it. Mm. Yeah. What you're saying is really, really hard to do. It is. <laughs> it's real. like, I just want to, I want to, I understand I'm a big, um, I mean, I coach on love, you know, that's my, my, my expertise is about love. It's about, um, you know, I'm, I'm a, a, I study a course in miracles. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm on that level and, um, it is hard to, and what you're saying about energy, I completely believe. Like I, I talk about, um, becoming a magnet to what we, what we desire in life. I talk about specifically, specifically about dating and relationships and love, but it's really anything, you know, it's just being, becoming a magnet and clearing blocks is a great, a goal. And it is about energy, but it is hard hard it, it is. is hard <laughs> I'm not implying it's easy even yeah. for me because even my tendency right is like I see the suffering that's happening right mm-hmm. and of course like anything else I don't want the aggressors to continue to to you know harm anyone mm-hmm. but the more the more I lean towards one or the other I'm I'm actually contributing to the discord and the separation mm-hmm. and and that is and that is you know it is super challenging Mm -hmm. you know it's it takes it takes you know for me it takes I've got to pause and and I'll say this because you know you you watched my film and I talk about my own struggle and how I had to forgive well I had a choice right I had a choice like everyone does whether or not to forgive the two young men that placed the bombs that day that killed three people and injured 264 you know, for others, myself included, mm-hmm. and, you know, basically left its mark on the world. And it's like, how do you forgive the unforgivable? Well, here's, here's the lesson that I learned. Because I had a lot of physical um, issues, when, you know, year one for me was learning how to rise above my fear and rise above my terror. Year two was all about learning to rise above my rage. Because there was a part of me that silently would contemplate how I would kill those two young men. Well, the, the, the truth is one of them passed away in the pursuit, but there are other surviving one. And, and I would normally never perceive myself as somebody who would ever want to contemplate seeing someone else die, let alone in my own, my own bare hands. But that's the truth. That's what actually happened. I was so outraged. Mm from what happened that this was my inner my inner dialogue because I thought well if you know if something happens to them then I'll be safe right again looking outside of myself for that safety and security mm-hmm. and I had to learn how to create safety and security within but you know in year two I had obviously I had made progress in my healing but now when my rage started to come out um, and it would just, it would literally be like out of the blue. And it, it frightened me because I just never know when I was going to like explode. And, um, and what happened in those moments was I literally would have a setback, my healing. Mm-hmm. So all of the work that I had done to get to that place, it was like unraveling it, if that makes sense. And then I would get more pissed off, right? Cause I'm like, I can't, I can't even be pissed. I can't even be upset that all this happened. And what I really got to experience firsthand was I was literally drinking my own poison, wishing that young man who was surviving, who placed the bomb that killed that eight-year-old, you know, little boy, uh, Mm -hmm. Martin Richard, right? Wishing he was drinking the poison, but the truth is I was drinking it. Mm. Yeah. And I had to, you know, kicking and screaming, I might add, um, it's like, okay, I have a choice. I'm the one who's suffering, wishing and hoping someone else was. And, and so that was the impetus for me that eventually got me to the place to forgive. And when I did that, it was like somebody uncuffed me mm-hmm. from like, it was like, it was like we were cuffed together, like chained together. 
from that experience. And the minute, the minute I chose to forgive him in the courtroom, it was like somebody unshackled me mm-hmm. and set me free. And literally my healing went exponentially you know, through the roof in a positive way. And I started to dissolve all that rage and I started to return to love. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So much stuff. Um, So prior to 2013, you were a high achieving, successful on the outside speaker. Um, I think you mentioned like running away from yourself in a way. And Mm -hmm. then this event that happened horrible event at the the Boston Marathon in 2013 with the terrorism explosion, like you said, um, creating like wreaking havoc on a city, on yourself. Um, You, you know, had physical trauma, emotional trauma, mental trauma, all of the the things that kind of rocked your world, right? In 2013. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a couple things about that. you're, you mentioned also, like with this talk, also, we're talking about the, the conflict right now. Um, and you mentioned something that really kind of hit deep for me, and I'm not quite sure why. And I think this is what you're talking about with your rage. So when you decided to heal and you listened to this voice inside of you that you mentioned in the film, like um, heal naturally, which I, we can talk about that too, wherever this goes. But um, is the rage that you're talking about that inner terrorist inside of you? Like, what does that mean exactly? Like how, how can this, like, if someone's listening to this and they're like, uh, oh, okay, I get it. Like, you know, Jennifer went through this really horrible traumatic event um, and she decided to make a choice and go to a different path. What is this? Like, what is this inner terrorist? What does this mean to you? I'm curious. So for me, so the inner terrorist is the next step up from your inner critic, right? So for me, um, I was very critical of myself. You know, I was, I was a very great supporter and encourager to other people, but I was not, I was not drinking from the same cup, Mm -hmm. right? For myself, right? It was like, it was just like, it was never good enough. Like, you know, and I had, I had, the truth is I hadn't forgiven myself for some of the things that happened in my childhood that I had intuitive abilities since I was a little kid, but I didn't, I didn't always listen to them. Mm-hmm. And as a result, it got me into situations that, you know, um, in some cases were pretty traumatic. And so there was a part of me that I didn't forgive myself because there was a part of me that, you know, said, well, you should have known better. Mm. Right. And so I was holding myself hostage to my own inner thinking. And that's what I mean by the terrorist. Right. Like, like it was just never good enough. And it was like, no matter how much I succeeded, I was constantly like, you know, pressuring myself to up level and to be even a better overachiever in hopes that it would Mm -hmm. make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Right. So I was I was I was my own worst critic, my own worst enemy. I wasn't my best friend. I wasn't my cheerleader. And here's the beauty of this experience. Because because that experience literally brought me home to myself. And I had to learn how to become my very best friend. So, Mm -hmm. for example, when I was sharing with you that I'd have these outbursts of rage, right? It, It was like literally one day I just wanted to destroy everything in my apartment. I wanted to like throw my plates and I had really expensive things and I just wanted to destroy everything. That's like sh- not who I am at the core, mm-hmm. but, but that was my experience. Now, fortunately I didn't act on that entirely. Right. I didn't destroy everything in my, in my physical surrounding, although I was very tempted to, and then I would have to take myself and have a friend take me to the beach and I would throw rocks until I could get that rage and get that energy out of my system, so to speak, right? But it, the key was to not harm myself or anyone else, which was the challenge. So what I did, because I, I had a hard time rising above my rage. And then one day I had this thought, and it's kind of like a brain hack, actually. I had this thought, if my niece, one of my nieces looks very much like me. And I said, what if Megan were going through this? 
Mm. What would I, what would I, how would I react to, to Megan? Would I yell at her? Would I scream at her? Would I, you know, say the things that I'm saying inside my head to her? No. Mm -hmm. So I would literally start to whatever words of wisdom came up and what I would say to my niece, I actually said it to myself. And that slowly but surely got me to a place where I started to love on me. Mm -hmm. I started to have compassion for me. I started to forgive myself for the mistakes I made and for the, some of the choices I made that led to things that were, you know, pretty traumatic. And recognizing like, you know, we're just human beings doing the best that we can. I would cut someone else some slack. I'd even just meeting you, I'd cut you slack more than I would have cut myself slack back then. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's what I mean by that. You know, you know, for me, it got to the terror side. For many people, it's the inner critic, right? Like shoulda, coulda, woulda, right? None of those are uplifting. Mm -hmm. And we've got to learn to become our very best cheerleaders and to become, and not to be boastful, but to be like loving and kind to ourselves. And when we're loving and kind to ourselves, right? What happens? You, you've taken the course of miracles, so you know, right? It's like things start to shift. "Quote unquote miracles start to show up. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because of how we're how we're showing up in the world. Hundred mm percent, -hmm. hundred percent. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing that um, with us here. It's yeah. Um, I intuitively kind of started that same kind of hack um, a couple of years ago, and I I did it as my best friend. But yeah, putting your niece in there is even more powerful. I feel like too. But it, it could is. be an animal. It could even yeah, be an animal. Yeah. It is remarkable. Right? Yeah. Whatever works. Yeah. Absolutely. It is remarkable how um we can kind of get trained with all of this other pressure and all of this stuff to be so mean to ourselves. I mean, it works, it works until it doesn't. <laughs> Just say that. Yeah. yeah. But here's the thing, right? Yeah. Like I, I can see this. I was a hyperactive kid who couldn't sit still. And, and I was constantly in trouble, not because I was a bad kid, because I had a ton of energy. So for me, sitting down in school all day was torture. Mm -hmm. Like I was just, I wanted to, I wanted to be up and about and playing and, and, and it doesn't mean I, I still wouldn't learn, but like the, you know, and so I was taught like it wasn't okay to be me. Right. Mm -hmm. Because because it was like I either talk too much, I'm either too loud or I couldn't sit still. And it was like, you know, and again, I wasn't trying to be disruptive. I was just being myself. Mm -hmm. And so what's fun, fascinating is, you know, our brain, you know, our brain is like a sponge from the time we are born. Uh, well, frankly, in utero, too until about seven years old, right? And so we're just taking all this stuff in. So, you know, if you're being like, well, you gotta do this and you gotta do this and you're not doing it right and you're doing that right. And no disrespect to anyone, to my parents, to my to my teachers, none of them. They were just doing the best that they could do, right? Like I don't harbor any any ill will. But it was like it was like I couldn't just be myself. And so that's why I started to develop this, like, well, I should do this. I shouldn't say this. Mm -hmm. I should act this way. Right. And I started to like put on all of these false facades and norms. You know, I, I don't know anyone that says it's okay to express anger, right? Like there is no outlet for anger for me. Mm. Yeah. I feel like that's most women. Mama is no different than the shit that they put on seeds to make them blossom and grow. Mm -hmm. And, and that without challenges in life, you know, it doesn't, it, you know, those challenges are what gives us the ability to grow if we choose, but it's all in how we respond, right? Like, are we reacting to life? And trying to control it like I used to do and realize like I'm not really in control after all or am I you know learning to be flexible and go with the flow in life and like you know when things 
when things aren't going as planned, maybe that's just because I'm meant to either pause Mm. or pivot. Right. But, you know, I don't know, but, you know, for a good chunk of my, you know, life up to this point prior to the bombings, I was making stuff happen Mm -hmm. with a lot of struggle, a lot of effort and a lot of hard work. And I wonder why I got burnt out. Exactly. Yeah. Right. But, you know, listen, I can't control the fact that we have high winds here today that are interrupting the Internet and our ability to do that. Right. So now we just had to pivot. We go to the cell phone like that's life. Like we could, you know, we we attempted on a few occasions to to try to get the Internet to work. But now we've had to pivot and go to the phone. Right. Mm-hmm. It's like like this is what it's this is this is it in action. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Now, the old me might have been pissed off, you know, whatever. And then and then I might have ended the interview early. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, OK, this is just this is this is life. This is what it's presenting us. How are we going to pivot and adjust with ease and grace? Yeah. Yeah. I like to say what something I realize with in my healing and this I teach this all the time now is that trauma has us look and we don't necessarily know this when we're in it. So I, that, this is why I really love these conversations. And I love talking about other people's journeys. I talk about my journey. I talk about my healing. I talk about, you know, always, you know, there's a better way, but I always like to, to, to say that like trauma has us looking out at life through the size of like a pinhole. Like there's either, um, you know, there's no possibility. There's no, there's no, nothing other than what we know, Um, which a lot of times if we're coming from like a pat, you know, past things that have happened to us, it's like, we only know pain or we only know struggle, like you're saying, or, or strife or what have you. But as, as I started to heal, and this is what I teach too, is that as I started to heal that, that window that I started looking out at life as it started to widen and it doesn't, it's not like something that in our society, it's like, you know, magic pills, snap your finger, you know, it's going to happen quickly type of thing, but it's like, it's space. It's like when we create space within ourselves, the space in our lives with like, like purpose with, with you or relationships or whatever, it starts to open up to more possibility. Um, so I love that you say that. And, and, well, some, and it's yeah. like, it's like anything else, right? Like, like, think about it, right? It, like, I love your analogy too, about space. Because, you know, when you're planting seeds, you don't plant them on top of each other, right? Mm -hmm. Because at some point, they're going to get too constrictive and too confining, they can only grow so much. So this is this is this was a very hard lesson for me to learn, Mm -hmm. was learning to let go. Let go of relationships, let go of possessions that really no longer served me. And that's not to say that I don't love the people that I used to but it's like but at some point like like you know for me I found you know in certain relationships like I didn't have the level of resonance or engagement anymore like we just our lives had just taken different paths it's not right or wrong or good or bad but it's just like I just didn't find like as enjoyable as it once was mm-hmm. and and like we have the responsibility to make ourselves happy as a recovering people pleaser. And I'm not fully recovered yet. I'm still mastering that. I really love people and I really love to generally be around people, but I also love now. I love very stimulating conversation. I love to be able to have like the type of conversation we're having here today, Mm -hmm. which is a really deep, authentic one. And for me, I get a lot of resonance and energy from that and I end up leaving these conversations uplifted and inspired myself yeah same same and so but it it takes creating space if you know I used to I used to it's fascinating because before the bombings took place if you looked at my schedule it was chock full there was not a lot of quote-unquote white space in my calendar Mm mm-hmm well, if we don't give ourselves space, right, and, and to evolve and to grow, 
then we're just like a hamster on the hamster wheel, just doing the same old thing over and over and over again, expecting a different result and wondering why we're not getting it. We're working harder. And, yeah. I'm, you know, I used to think, okay, well, something's got to shift. Well, what ended up for me slowing down, having more space allowed me to focus on the things that really brought me joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and Jim Collins writes about it in his book, Good to Great. Like, you've got to be willing to let go of the good to create space for the great to show up. Absolutely. I could never imagine. I could never have imagined if you had said to me, hey, Jennifer, you're going to be standing 15 feet from the first of two explosions. You're going to live through it. It's going to mm-hmm. be a horrendous experience for you. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to go on and you're going to end up creating, um, producing, and eventually directing Mission for Good films to help showcase um you know, transformation and insights and wisdom to shorten other people's journey to their own happiness and to their own fulfillment. Never could have imagined that. Yeah, absolutely. Same. And that's the opportunity. <laughs> yeah. That is that is the opportunity. And you and I are living proof of it, right? But it takes work and, it, and it's difficult work. It's like, you know, it, it, I, I, I liken it to a sculptor, right? A sculptor has to keep chiseling away Right. And it's kind of like that. Like we have to keep going inward and letting go of things that just no longer serve us and, and also integrate the parts of ourselves that were for me that I was running from. I mm-hmm. realized like I don't need to run from myself anymore. Yep. Yep. So good. Yeah. So good. Well, I, you know, I think the last kind of, question I had for you was the thing that you mentioned and maybe like like I said we're probably closing up a little bit right now but the last thing that I'd love to to just briefly connect with you on was that voice that you talk about in your film um I would love to hear just more clarity I guess on what was that voice that you heard and the reason I'm asking that is um, you don't know something about me, but the listeners do, which is the reason that I'm here, like doing this and talking about this and putting myself in healing situations and helping other people heal is because of a, a low point that I got um, to in my life, um, not because of somebody else in, in your case, but because of me, you know, I, I um, kind of got to a place where I didn't want to be here anymore. And um you know, when I was holding that, you know, that the gun in my hand um, and trigger warning, everybody, sorry, I didn't say that before, but you, y'all know you've been here. Um, when I got to that point, it was like, I realized that I had a choice um, and I don't know, like I, I, it was some kind of divine something, but it was also me. It was like me connecting to my divine inside of me. Um, and mm-hmm the, the, it gave me a choice because through decades, like I didn't really feel like I had a choice and I didn't really know it. Like what you're talking about, like I was an overachiever and everything and all the check the boxes and everything's and the whatnots. Um, but I, I would love to hear what your version is, I guess, of that voice that you heard when that bombing happened. And from the film, you said that the voice said heal naturally. Can you talk a little bit more Mm -hmm. about that voice? Um, and was it knocking before and you didn't listen or like, what was that for you? Um, so yes, it was knocking before and I wasn't entirely listening. And first I want to acknowledge you for having the courage to, to live mm-hmm. and for having the courage to put the so-called gun down and to give yourself a chance. Mm-hmm. I actually can relate to you because, because I, on several occasions over the course of my life, wanted to take my life. But I also knew there was a part of me that in even twice in my, you know, healing from just the bombings themselves, I came within seconds of taking my life because mm-hmm. I couldn't, I just couldn't find, like, I just wanted to, the pain to stop. Yeah. And, but there was a part of me and, and and this actually happened, I'll, I'll quickly share with you. So one day I was driving to a family event and I was having a ton of pain that day. 
both physical, emotional pain. And I just had had enough. Mm-hmm. I just had had enough. And I literally was driving to the event and um, I thought to myself, what's the way I could end my life without my family knowing it, mm-hmm. that it was suicide. And I thought to myself, oh, I could just speed up and flip my car in the median and no one would ever know. They would think it was an accident. Mm-hmm. And when I literally had those thoughts, tears were streaming down my face and two people came to mind first, my mom and, and my sister. And I quickly justified in my mind that, you know, when I get reunited with them in heaven again, they'll understand. But then what happened, and now I grip the wheel and I am literally about to jerk it into the median and flip my car. And two other images came forth. And at the time, that was my six and eight-year-old nieces. Mm -hmm. And as tears were streaming down my face, I had no words. If I were reunited again with them in heaven someday, what would I say to them? Auntie chickened out? Mm. I had no words. Honestly, those two girls are what saved my life. Um, But there was something inside of me that as much as I wanted to escape the pain, there was something that was holding me here stronger call it higher self, call it the divine. I'm not sure, but something inside of me wanted me to stay. And so to go back to the voice that I heard in the ER, my experience in the ER was also pretty traumatic. Mm -hmm. Um, And long story short is I had, uh, I was 42 when that experience happened. But um, a couple of years before, I had turned 40, and I just wasn't feeling my vibrant self. I was athletic. I was, you know, going to the gym. I was active, but something didn't feel right. And I had gone to the doctors and got a bunch of, you know, tests on, and everything came back normal. And a friend of mine um, said, you know, you should you should um, hire this gentleman who will come in, and he'll do you know, a full-blown, you know, blood work um, on you. And I thought to myself, well, that's kind of strange. Like who comes to your house and does that? Like never heard of such a thing, but she swore by it. And I was just really like, I wanted to get to the bottom of why I didn't feel good. Long story short, he comes, I hire him to come. He takes, he literally pricks my finger, sticks blood under the microscope. And without me telling him, he could figure out that I had a head injury in my mid-20s. And he figured out that I was on a lot of medication because my liver was showing signs of distress from from medication that I had. Even as a little girl, I had a lot of ear infections, so I was on a lot of antibiotics. I had a lot of acne as a teenager, so I was on different types of antibiotics for that. Fast forward, I struggled with panic and anxiety and depression, so I was on all types of medication for that. Fast forward. I had a head injury. I was on pain medication, anti-inflammatories. I was on a lot of medication throughout my life. And that was wreaking havoc on my body. And so, you know, so that's the backstory. The day of the bombings itself, and I'm in the ER, I was wheeled in to get tests on, and I was told I needed to be injected with this chemical, this dye. Mm -hmm. And I was told all these different things I would feel such as I'm going to feel like I'm wetting my pants. I'm going to feel like I have a high fever. I'm going to start to sweat profusely. I'm going to start to feel like um, it's going to taste like I'm sucking on a coin. Hmm. And I experienced all of those symptoms and more. And, and that's when I got wheeled back from that um, test and I'm sitting in my room crying, scared, not knowing if I'm going to live to see another day. And I'm asking myself, is is this how I want to go? No. Mm. And then I heard the voice inside of me and I call it my higher self, my intuition, my soul that said, you've got to learn how to heal naturally. I had no idea how to do that. My background is in business. I have no medical background. I don't know how to heal naturally. Mm. But I thought to myself, the alternative is like a prison sentence. I've been there, done that. It didn't work for me. So the only alternative was, okay, I've got to seek this other path, you know, and not knowing where it's going to lead me. I had no idea 
I can literally say to you, almost nine years later, I healed from that experience 100% naturally. I did not take pain meds. I did not take anxiety medication, none of that stuff. And trust me, it's not because I didn't experience excruciating pain, but I found other ways to manage it, holistic, natural ways, which we all have the ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Today, I feel the youngest, I'm 50. I feel the youngest I've felt. I'm like, like my, I feel like, you know, when people look at me, I look younger than I actually am because I have a level of vibrancy and I continue to cultivate that within me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not aging. I'm actually getting younger. Oh, I love and we that. have that ability to do that. We do. We do. I love that to that point that you're talking about. Cause I talk this, about this a lot, um, is that like courage is like, is this, <laughs> it's not like a boastful thing or like quote, you know, I love quotes. Instagram can be great sometimes, but courage is, is this knowing that stepping into the fear of the unknown and it's not even bravery it's like just courage is just like I don't know it's just like taking that next small step in your case it sounds like it's like listening to this voice inside of you not knowing what it looked like but trusting that that's the way that you need to go (laughs) and I feel like that's what the healing is it is like the intersection of courage and fear and then taking like a small step to, you know, into the unknown, I guess, but yeah. And that is it, that, that is yeah. it. Like it's one step, right? So what, this is it, you know, it's taking that one step and then that one step will open up the next step. And that is trusting on a whole nother level. Yeah. As somebody who liked to be in control of my life and have it all planned out, that's not how this goes. No. If you truly want to rise up and thrive in life, it is literally learning to be present in the moment, trusting all is well now, and that you take that one step and then the next step will appear. It's like breadcrumbs for me, right? Yeah. Like even it doesn't mean I don't experience fear. I do experience fear. But I have to pause and ask myself, is the fear that I'm experiencing real danger? Like am I in harm's way? The vast majority of the time, it's not. It's just my mind going, well, what if this doesn't Mm -hmm. work out? And then I just tell myself, well, what if it does work out? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, what if it does? So good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to, um, I I want to, to encourage, because there's got to be more to life, this film. It seems like, you know, it's that journey that you're talking about from, um, you know, again, you bring in all these great practitioners and you talk about your journey of healing. It's just, it's so good. And it's so eye-opening. So I really encourage people to go, um, have a look at, at your film, Jennifer, um, where, where can people find your film? Where can people find you? Uh, what are you working on right now? So, uh, two things they can, they can go, there's got to be more to life.com that will direct them to the film. They can also go to my own uh, my own personal website page, which is jennifercoffman.com. Um, you can also access the film from my own personal page as well. And right now, I'm actually working on the sequel to um, the first film. And the second film is There Is More to Life. And we actually go deeper in the conversation mm. and start to show what it means to thrive in the world. And, and by the way... Mm. You can thrive in no matter what the situation in the outside world is. I, I personally know of people who are thriving during, you know, COVID and the pandemic. It's not to say that people weren't suffering, but we want to showcase that, guys, when you take your power back mm-hmm. and you take, you take your power back, you literally get to create the way, the life, the way you want it. It's not about what happens in the outside world. You learn to pivot, you learn to rock, you learn to, you know, again, you, it just, it just keeps evolving. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Cool. I can't wait to see that too. So I'll like, I'll link everything up and in the comments. And I really appreciate you being here today, Jennifer. I love this conversation and we did have some technical difficulties, but look at us, we are right back in it. So I appreciate you. (laughs) 
Uh, Lily, thank you. It's such a pleasure getting to know you and having a conversation with you today. And I I certainly hope that um, our listeners got tremendous value from it. Yes, absolutely. Same. Thank you. How much did you love that conversation with Jennifer? We did have a few technical difficulties, so apologies for the choppiness of some of the audio, but connecting with Jennifer was just a really great opportunity for me um, to learn more about her and her film. And I did watch her film. It was really inspiring. She had a lot of people actually that I've been studying on her film as well. So I really encourage you to take a look at that. Um, Normally we have great authors here. So now we have filmmakers and directors and producers. So super honored to have that and hold that space with her. Um, The point that she talks about with becoming the terrorist inside of herself really, really hit home for me. Uh, the use of words in that was really powerful because she had been through this like literal like terrorist experience, um, which I can only imagine um, going through how difficult that was. So I really hope you enjoy this conversation with her. And I know that people out there can understand when she's talking about the inner critic and our terrorists inside of ourselves and the rage that we hold. And despite what we've been told, um, we are, we can have these feelings. We can have these feelings. And if if we get angry, um, let's be aware and let's look at that, at that inside of ourselves. Is that pointing for something to heal? Um, Do we find ourselves in victim mode and making the things wrong about what's happening to us about other people? So having a look inside of ourselves and being aware and open to what that might mean is really our first step in figuring out how to have a a better life, better relationships and better love. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being here with me. I'm so honored and grateful to hold this space with you and I love you. I support you. You're amazing. I'll see you next time.